0: Yo, what's up? It's the Album Nerds podcast. Hi, right, dude. <laughs> that is Andy. Yo, Andy, why don't you give us a hello? Hello. Uh, see, I, can't wow. can't,
1: I can't do it the justice that you do, man. Come on, let's let's hear it, man. Come on.
0: All right. Hello. Ah, yeah. And welcome. <laughs> How's that? Is that better? All right.
1: Now we can start the
0: show. All right, everybody. Yeah, now we can get going. So, Andy, what's going on? What are we doing uh, this week?
1: Hey, this week on the podcast, we're doing the second episode of our essential new wave of bridge, heavy metal and funk series that we are doing in 2018. Why don't you tell the good people what exactly that is?
0: Well, why don't you tell me first? Because <laughs> I be have no idea. <laughs> um, no, I, all right, people, Here's here's how it boils down. This is a journey through genres that we really like, but we're not necessarily experts in. And in my case, I wanted to get to know bands from the new wave of British heavy metal era, and Andy wanted to get a little bit deeper into the funk. So we take this opportunity to task ourselves with digging in, finding essential, awesome albums from those categories that we've chosen. And it all comes from our rock and roll perspective as at the base of it, we're both rock fans, even though we do enjoy music in other genres. Me, I like some country. Andy likes to uh, put on a glow bracelet and uh, listen to some thumping EDM. But uh, (laughs) at the base of it, we're rock and roll boys. So, uh, should we get going on this stuff? Was that a good Was that a good description? Are we happy?: I
1: think you got the essentials. Get that? Essentials, Essential projects.
0: I do. That was very clever, very clever. Let's do it. Oh yeah. We're we're doing it, folks. It's Nuwabum time. That means a new wave of British heavy metal, and I swear to God, other people say it too. It ain't just me. So We talked about it before, but the new wave of British heavy metal was basically a a moment in time from about 78 to 82 or so. A lot of bands came out of Great Britain that were sort of a new heavy metal sound, stripped down, re-energized. It kind of changed the face of where metal went afterwards, uh, kind of coming from the blues-based stuff of your Led Zeppelins, etc. Even even, uh, Black Sabbath was blues-based. These bands were not... Many times dual guitars and a little heavier sound in the metal world. So, the new album band for me this week is a classic. It's Iron Maiden. And we're going to jump right in with a song called Prowler from the first album, self titled Iron Maiden. So Iron Maiden went on to record, oh, I don't know, 16,000 albums or something like that. (laughs) Many, many albums Iron Maiden has recorded over the years. The first two were with this particular singer, not the Bruce Dickinson that many people kind of consider the lead singer. So this album featured Paul Diano, I think uh, his name is, on vocals, and he kind of... Had a slightly different look and sound from the other fellas, drawing from elements of punk rock, raw, do it yourself production, really fast guitar, kind of growly vocals from Paul, not as soaring as some of the other bands, and particularly what later became of Iron Maiden. They had a lot of ambitions. This is a ver- this band is very technical. And even this album, as stripped down as it may sound, has a lot of layers instrumentally. What were your thoughts on this, Andy? I mean, I know you know Iron Maiden. Had you ever listened to the self-titled record before?
1: No, I don't think I had gone back this far. I was surprised how punk it was, man. Especially these first few tracks yeah. like Prowler there and a couple tracks after that, um, Sanctuary and Running Free. That's a like British punk songs. It's like fucking Sex Pistols there. I mean, I was a little surprised by that. But yeah, I, you know, all, in all enjoyable. I, I think it was interesting to hear some of those different sides of them. You know, you get later in their in the record and a lot of the progressive um, rock sounds start to come in, like with songs like. Um, Phantom of the Opera No, yeah pretty ambitious track for uh, you know a debut album for a metal band um, you know it's like seven minutes long and, and yeah. covers quite a bit of ground and yeah like you said these guys are pretty talented musicians especially uh, especially on a debut record it's surprising how technically proficient they are
0: You know, I've avoided this record. Whenever I go back and listen to Maiden, I don't listen to the first two because they don't have Bruce Dickinson on them. So I've, over the years, just never really given this much of a shot. And I really liked it. It has a different taste to it, but some of the the key essential elements that make Iron Maiden so influential and part of it, uh, why they're so important to this new wave of British heavy metal. I mean, this album actually sold very well, came out in uh, 1980 and... It It is only 37 minutes long, the way it should be, and uh, they had success. And a lot of those bands didn't, like Angel Witch, who we talked about last time, did not have a lot of commercial success, just a lot of success amongst their peers. The thing with this guy, this lead singer, Paul, the reason he didn't hang around was drugs, alcohol. I guess he just didn't have the stamina to even tour. So they uh, let him go but I think that the direction they were going in in terms of being a metal band with some prog tendencies, I think they got the right guy later uh, with Bruce Dickinson, but I thought very good vocals, better than I had expected in really listening to this. Here's an example. Let's listen to Remember Tomorrow, and we'll hear a little bit of, of what Paul could do. So, like, all in all, you're going to listen to some more Maiden, or are you good? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, i got to listen to this record more. I feel like there's a lot happening just in these uh, 40 minutes or so. Yeah, it was, it was surprising, like I said, to hear so much. So punk and prog influence I didn't really expect. I thought it would just be more straight-up, you know, 80s metal. So that's cool. But, uh, yeah, you know, like, this is just kind of part for the course, I think, in the genre. It's a little... Cheesy and maybe a little tongue-in-cheek at times. I think, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. the whole like with Eddie and their whole persona of kind of being, you know, skeletons and demons and stuff, right? Like
0: that was in development. That was developing as part of 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 metal, you know. And Black Sabbath was part of that too, making things kind of spooky. And yeah, especially later on, Iron Maiden embraced that a little bit more uh storytelling wise and you know had an album called Mark of the Beast. So you know it's sure, yes, there's a theatricality yeah. that, that is a part of of heavy metal, but it's a it's like a manly with a <laughs> high pitch voice. So there's this there's so much dichotomy in metal where you got the high pitch singing, you've got fantasy sort of you know, Dungeons and dragons and like mystical stuff like you know quote unquote nerd stuff and then but it's like leather and manly and you've got super high voice dudes with long hair so you know it's there's a lot to take in i think you know young men love at least in my day loved heavy metal because it spoke to all those struggling parts of you as you're growing up yeah. you know you feel like you're a man but you're also like angry and screaming but you're also into the world of fantasy where you're you know a dragon slayer or whatever. So
1: yeah, I mean, as long as you can like accept all those things and kind of get into that space, I think it's a pretty freaking dope record now.
0: Yeah. You got to love your metal and the guitar work on this yeah. as is the case for all of their records is incredible. Uh, so Iron Maiden, I've been wanting to talk about them and I'm glad I found a good way to do it without being too obvious and going to my favorite album that I hadn't listened. Yeah. It was good to listen to something new to talk about.
1: Shall we get some funk going
0: on? I'm fighting the urge. <laughs> I want to do it, Andy. I want to funk, funk, de funk, but I'm fighting it just for you. Just for you.
1: Well, man, we got, we got a special tree here today, man. We got one of the all-time classic funk records to come out of the 1970s. We're talking about Parliament and the Mothership Connection. And you get much funky on that shit, man. Come on.
0: No, I mean I'm basically humping my desk here. I can't help myself.
1: <laughs> Seriously, man, that music like plays itself. It's unreal. That's, oh that's, god, I know. <laughs> that's the opening cut. Uh it's called P Funk Wants to Get Funked Up off the four studio album by Parliament. It was the first gold record, and would go on to sell over a million copies worldwide. Uh, in 2011, this record was added to the National Recording Registry, which is a government organization which recognizes culturally significant records, and they thought it was this record was important enough to be included in that archive. Uh, it's you just this is such an important record. I mean, I know when I picked it out, I was like, we pretty much can't have an essential funk project without this record. It's so influential.
0: Yeah, I would have I I punched you in the face if you had not.
1: <laughs> yeah, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> if we had not gotten some Parliament up on yell.
1: That's right, man. That's right. So uh, this ties in nicely where we left off last time with uh, James Brown and his payback record. A couple of numbers from his uh, JBs, the backing band that played with James, uh, would come over to Parliament uh, for this record. Um, a couple of guys playing horns. And kind of fill out the band here and create this kind of ideal uh group here of parliament uh, to kind of play with George Clinton and really create this iconic sound that that would become uh seventies funk It's pure as form, so I know you were you were big into these these records um back in the day man right was this your go to uh parliament record or
0: well, to be honest, when I first got into the funk in the nineties, I got the double disc greatest hits type of thing yeah so since we've gotten to the streaming revolution i've been able to actually listen to the whole albums and they are i've listened to all of them not all recently but uh since like when i first got spotify before i switched over to google and they're great dude i mean they're all awesome fun to listen to and I can't imagine how many little kids heard this record and ran around saying they want to get funked up, and they got a whooping.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is this really fun, fun music, man. George, that's kind of what he was going for. He was known to make records about things that were kind of ridiculous. And the previous record was, What, what If uh, There Was a Black President? Crazy idea, right? Um, this record, this, this, this is kind of a concept Barack! <laughs> this is kind of a concept record, and the idea is, what if they put a black man in space? 1975, that's, you know, it doesn't seem very likely. Um, so they come with this outlandish character, and this whole getup of this black pimp in space, and he's got, you know, all these crazy outfit, and this kind of persona interwoven you know, throughout the record here. It's absolutely hilarious. And you got, you know, George Clinton, who's just like the ultimate... you know kind of conductor and performer and kind of the hype man up there along with guys like Bootsy Collins who just is like a incredible to watch on stage and just absolutely hilarious and and such good uplifting music here let's play the title cut this is the Mothership Connection Yeah, I mean, as we've been talking about in funk, these songs were sampled to hell later on by hip hop artists, and that right there is sampled very famously by Dr. Dre on the Chronic. He sampled this record quite a bit on that record, and it's been done by lots of other artists as well. Just really iconic stuff. It's just
0: yeah, still yeah.
1: very influential today.
0: Yeah, George Clinton's influence on hip hop sampling, besides the Parliament stuff, I mean, his solo work, Atomic Dog. Was Snoop Dogg, you know, the what's my name? That took from Atomic Dog, so it was <laughs> Atomic Dog before it was Snoop Dogg. So yeah, it's just he is uh, woven into so much music. That's why I think that's why I think funk is so cool because it's so deeply embedded. I mean, and even in disco, which had its good moments and its bad moments, but the way that him and his crew in a time when there's not that there isn't now, but racial tension and and all sorts of stuff wove their way into popular culture and into everybody's ears. It's just amazing. It's really cool stuff. Lyrically, yes, it's fun. But at the yeah. end of the day, if you look at the body of work of Parliament and George Clinton, meaningful shit was going on there. Yeah,
1: it was really, really impressive, creative, inventive, just kind of pouring out of them for the next five, ten years here. Yeah, and it, and it was kind of a group of of people in and out of these bands, you know, James Brown and Parliament and the Funkadelic, and they they were just kind of going around and in the scene and just creating some incredible music. And this this record here, Mothership Connection, is an essential record. If you're if going to call yourself a music lover, you got a house in your collection, whether you're a big funk fan or not. It's uh, it's a huge part of 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 music today and. It still sounds great, man. So much fun going back listening to this one. If you haven't seen any of the performances from back in this time period, do yourself a favor. YouTube up some nineteen seventy shows from Parliament. They're absolutely incredible theatrical performances, kind of in, in line with what you expect from Kiss. Absolutely astounding stuff. Yeah. <laughs> really fun. Wish I was alive back then, man. It would have been awesome to see them in concert back then.
0: Yeah, ab- I mean, I wish I had paid more attention, but people... You got to check out Tear the Roof Off. Give Up the Funk, Tear the Roof Off, the sucker. It's amazing. It's on this record, too.
1: (laughs) It's some good stuff, man. Some good stuff, indeed. Well, thank you. Hey, hey, thank you, man. Thank you. got two... I told Two you. great record When you man. said
0: funk was going to be your thing, I, <laughs> I I I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank yeah, you. Yeah, dude. So much fun. I get to talk about metal and listen to <laughs> funk.
1: <laughs> That's what we love doing the show, man. Hopefully you guys uh, enjoy listening to it. We love listening to these records, and we'd love to know what you thought about them and the show. Uh, leave us a comment up on albumnerds.com. That'd be great. We'd appreciate it. Uh, coming up next week on the show, I'm trying to do this top five thing. And the last time we did 1995, we'll figure out some other topic for next week and count down our, our top five favorite records of whatever that might be. So be sure to tune in for that. It should be an interesting, Full show.
0: Cool top five something. It's going to be off the chain, as they used to say. It's going to be awesome. We'll pick something good. People love top fives. We love top fives, and it gets us going. So anyway, people you got to go follow us on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the symbol, at Album Nerds. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, on the Google Play Music, on the Stitcher Radio. Tell us your favorite albums over at AlbumNerds.com. You can check out the podcast there, too. And, as always, pass on the good word to the good people in your life, because everybody needs a little bit more music, the good stuff. And that's what we're trying to bring here at the Album Nerds Podcast. So have yourselves a wonderful week.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.
0: WABOOM!